Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek powered by Pet Hub. My name is Lorian Clemens, and today's episode is going to be focused on training those canine furry family members. Now, my guest, Heather Beck, she's from Canine Lifeline and Heather's Heroes, has been working with dogs for over 25 years, and she really can key into that other end of the leash. In fact, talking about leashes is going to be super important about what we're going to be talking about today, and I know that a lot of you listening right now have probably had times in the past you're like, man, I wish I had better leash control or I don't know what to do and he's doing this or that on the leash. So super excited to have her on today. She's been working with rescues and shelters and has started her own large breed and pit bull rescue. So lots of stuff to learn from Heather today. So if you're interested in hearing more, and I know you are, stick around, just a quick short break, and then we will be back with our guest, Heather Beck. Okay, we are back. Hello, Heather, and welcome to Pet Lover Geek. Oh my gosh, I am such a pet geek, so I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. So we met you, God, feels like just a little while ago, it was almost over like a month and a half ago at, at uh, Global Pet Expo, and we were first introduced to Heather's Heroes and your product, and I want to get into all of that as we go on, but if you could just give our listeners a little highlight of who are you and why should they listen to you? <laughs> well, uh, my name is Heather Beck and I am just like I said, a bona fide pet geek, but my biggest thing that I love to nerd out on is dogs. And that is by far my biggest passion. I did not grow up with dogs, but I absolutely love them. I have devoted, you know, every day since really getting involved with them right out of high school to them and really figuring out how to give them the best lives possible. And, and I do that through my Canine Lifeline, my actual facility, and then also through a lot of the, the products that I've developed, designed, and patented, and, you know, try and get people to use all over the world. Well, talk about Canine Lifeline first, and tell us what is that all about? Yeah, so Canine Lifeline um, is our facility in Draper, Utah. Um, I've been at this location for about 15 years, and I actually have a lot of space here. So we specialize in socializing dogs, particularly we're really world-renowned for socializing difficult and aggressive dogs um, in this unique environment. I went from shelters, rescue, you know, working with some very difficult dogs into training. And when I moved into training, I just couldn't find places that were safe for my clients' dogs. You know, like even to, like to be boarded at a vet clinic, they were just sitting in a kennel all day, you know, maybe getting out to go to the bathroom a couple times a day, even if at all, you know, maybe just being moved back and forth from kennels. So I just kind of organically kind of grew into doing boarding and daycare, but I definitely based it in a very training based way. So we're very structured. Um, the dogs that come into us, the caliber of dog, of difficult dog, we deal with all, all dogs, all shapes, all sizes. Um, but the caliber of dog that can come into us can be very, very difficult. And I have never, ever, ever turned a dog away from our facility for services based on behavior. That's huge. You know, that's really huge. And so having them here at our facility, um, we, we run three separate socialization groups. So we have our adult dogs, which are kind of our, you know, can be some of our more difficult dogs. But, you know, just our older dogs, maybe some of them just don't want to play rough like a young puppy. Then we have our small dogs and puppies, about 25, you know, under 25, 30 pounds, small dogs and puppies. 
And then we have our group called our party animals, which is um, a little <laughs> bit more consistent with, you know, what you might see at a normal daycare. You know, they definitely like to play really rough. Those are dogs that could go more to a regular daycare, you know, and the energy is really high. But we still, you know, within each of those groups, we still have that, um, that structure and that training base. So that's the gist of Canine Lifeline. I mean, that's where all of this kind of develops. This is my stomping ground. We have two 10,000 square foot buildings that those two groups are in. And then we also just purchased another 25,000 square foot building um, where we manufacture our products. We also do our training. We run a weekly social class for our clients to be able to come. It's basically a very controlled dog park. So for each of those specific groups that we have, we run a Saturday class where the owners can come and, and participate with their dogs. Because it's one thing if your dog can succeed in a daycare environment. Mm-hmm. It's another if they can succeed with you in the picture around other dogs. So that's uh, that's been one of our, our really big niches is running those Saturday social classes. And we're, you know, I'm one of the only people in the world that actually run classes like that. So. Well, and, and it's funny that you say, you know, can they do it with you? And, and there's that saying of it, like a lot of training problems and dog issues actually happen at the other end of the leash. Um, and, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And so uh, let's talk about leashes because that really is how we came to know you. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your products. So talk about the whole aspect of leashes and how it relates to what you do with Heather's Heroes and with Canine. Yeah. So, I mean, what we do here, um, we definitely give the dogs an opportunity to regain social skills. But where a lot of that struggle happens is on the leash. So pairing what they learn from us here, you know, in our unique environment, getting the opportunity to be around other dogs. We want that to extend outside of that, where when they're out on a walk with, you know, mom or dad, Um, or somebody in the family or a caregiver or a dog walker, we want them to be able to have a really great experience and be able to see that dog or that kid or that person across the street and and have it not be a big deal. So the products that we develop, you know, particularly our, our, our signature product, which is called the Sidekick, that signature product really helps to create that. It helps to create a calm mind using very natural pressure points across the bridge of the nose. And it's just so simple. It's, it's such a simple tool. It's such an effective tool. And it's a tool that people can feel good about using with their dog, especially if they have an aggressive dog, a fearful dog, a reactive dog. Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. times people think that they have to go, you know, oh my gosh, I have this really aggressive dog. So I have to go, you know, I have to collar up. I have to, you know, use really aggressive uh, methods to be able to combat that, that behavior. What I found is that more often than not, those are the most sensitive dogs. So this tool really goes hand in hand to help the calm dogs um, to be able to create that, you know, whether it's fear, anxiety, reaction, reactivity, aggression, this tool really helps to make that happen. And just like I said, it's very simple and very effective. You do not have to have, you know, years and years and years of dog handling experience to have this be an effective tool and a safe tool for your dog. So this is going to be odd for folks that are listening only to the podcast, but um, so, so here's a challenge for you, Heather. You get to describe like what this tool is to help us kind of geek out here on the science as it were, that's behind why this really simple, I mean, you look at the the leash and, and, and the collar apparatus, you're like, they're just a cord and the yeah. leash kind of thing. What's what makes this so special? And so can you kind of talk about, you know, what is it about the design and then the way that you train people to use the lead that really makes it so special? 
Yeah, so basically what it is, is it is a head collar and a leash in one piece. So what happens is that we can utilize part of the leash, which can be utilized as a slip collar as well. So basically just a loop around the neck. And we can use a portion of that to be drawn out to be able to go over the dog's nose, which does create this head collar. The fantastic thing about this, there are head collars out on the market. There have been for years and years and years. The difference and why I designed this, and at our facility, just like I said, we run a huge facility. I have about 150 dogs a day here, and I've been doing this for 25 years. So you think of the numbers of dogs that I have actually trained on different types of head collars, different types of pools, different types of leashes, is how this developed to be the best thing out there. So the leash, when it's being used in the head collar configuration, the leash actually comes from the back of the head. Most collars out there, head collars actually come from underneath the neck, which most people really worry about turning the dog's head, especially if you have a dog who's lunging forward, who's moving forward really quickly. And we don't want that. So I developed that to be a little bit easier and a lot safer for the dog, um, especially a guy that is really struggling with that. Also, that pressure point across the bridge of the nose, the tool is designed to create pressure on and pressure off simply by applying pressure through you. Pressure on, pulling up on the leash, pressure off, releasing tension and pressure on the leash. And that is a very natural communication point for the dog across the bridge of the nose, which naturally helps them to calm down. There's a lot of tools out on the market. You know, if you're looking at e-collars or prong collars, can you use those to create avoidance? Yes. Do I work with all tools? Absolutely. But why I love this tool the most, especially for those really difficult and aggressive dogs, is because when you apply pressure with this tool, that natural pressure point of calming makes a huge difference. With a prong, with an e-collar, it can create more problems in certain respects, where basically the dog can stop the behavior, absolutely. But usually it creates avoidance where the dog is not looking at the trigger that is upsetting it. So when you use this tool, the dog can continue to look. When you release pressure and the dog can just calmly sit down and look at what is bothering it and learn like, hey, I can look at that calmly. That makes a huge difference in the progress of the dog and how effective this simple, <laughs> you know, literal piece of rope can be, you know, just by utilizing that natural pressure point and the natural way for them to learn, which is pressure on and pressure off. It's really important. I think you bring up that whole avoidance piece because I had a reactive dog for mm -hmm. 16 years Yeah, and because there weren't many tools out there that, that I had found that worked. Finally, my, my modus operandi was just to avoid it altogether. So just not put her in those situations ever. Yeah, It saved us a lot of heartache and hurt, little physical hurt, yeah. but it also kept us from doing a lot of the things that we love. And so to be able to have a tool that can help them learn that, hey, this is actually going to be okay. Like, I'm not going to get hurt in this situation. I'm not going to be attacked. Or are pressured to be in a situation that I don't want to be in. That calming thing that you can help them have a learning rather than just avoiding it altogether, or masking it. That's the other thing that a lot of the the, the collars and the tools that are out there right now have more of a disciplinary side to them. It really just makes the dog say, "Okay, I can't show that I'm upset by this, but I still right. am upset well, by this." And, and then and, what? Yeah. And then what happens is they blow up completely because they have been taught, you know, like to teach a dog to not look at other dogs or not look at people is ridiculous. Like they need to be able to look to change their perception of it. 
So if you constantly keep blocking that, and, and I'm not just saying, you know, prong collars, eat collars. I'm saying this happens a lot with food training as well. Mm-hmm. That can teach a strong avoidance. You know, I love to call it the art of avoidance. And it doesn't matter the tool, you know, it's the art of avoidance. If you stop at, well, hey, you know, and so many trainers just, you know, they put their hands up and say, yay, we did it, you know, because the dog isn't going totally nuts or crazy or, you know, going crazy, but they're staring directly at them. You know, I call that the art of avoidance, you know, or if you're just trying to keep the dog from looking at that thing by constantly giving it food and treats or, you know, or a verbal command, leave it, leave it, leave it. Um, You know, a lot of that stuff can kind of just get drowned out. But then what happens when the dog stops avoiding? Usually, if they haven't been taught how to look at it calmly, they're going to go back in a fight or excitement and excitement, reactivity and aggression are all on the same page. So you're going to end up, you know, right back in the same spot that you were. And so this path with this particular tool really helps to move the dog through avoidance, which can be part of the process. It's not a bad thing. It's part of the process, but it shouldn't be the end game. The Mm -hmm. end game should be understanding that the dog understands, hey, and can have a new perception of that thing that that really upsets it. So how does it work with the short-nosed dogs? Because the dog that was reactive is a Boston Terrier, which I know freaks people out. They're like, what? A Boston reactive Boston Carrier? Yeah. She was the most, she was a jerk. We called her our, our, yeah, our jerk I've, first I've, dog. I've worked with some pretty nasty dogs. So I, yeah. I mean, on all, you know, dogs are individuals. I mean, I, for every dog, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, it's a golden retriever. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It doesn't, you know, they're so individual. It, it never surprises me when I, when I deal with, you know, if there's one that fits what you would consider of that breed, I've worked with 20 others that don't. So, I don't. so how does the tool work with those short, face dogs I mean does yeah, it work it as really, well or is it, it different depends. it depends on the smaller dogs we do have two sizes so we do have a mini size as well and depending on the size of nose that the dog has you know it can kind of fit right into that fold like boxers things like that with um you know the really squishy face guys more often than not I will suggest another tool um, and that may be the prong collar it may be the slip portion of our leash but the process is going to be the same but ideally, if we can get that up onto the nose, that's going to make a big difference because it just takes away that the, the pressure on the neck. It takes away, you know, normally what the dog has been so used to is become so calloused around the neck, you know, that they've, that's been their whole life. You know, their whole life has been this or their whole life has been harnesses, you know, but we, you know, we try and make sure that we find the right tool for the right situation. And this is why as a trainer, it is imperative to have a full toolbox. You know, so that, hey, if this doesn't work for this dog, it does, it needs to work for this dog. Um, you know, so if, if everything, you know, if everything worked for every dog, I probably wouldn't be here and I, and I wouldn't have made this tool right. that I really enjoy. Right. But, uh, but yeah, we do make recommendations, um, but the process is still the same as teaching the dog just to calm down around those situations. So utilizing that pressure up with the leash, no matter what the tool is, if it's just a slip lead, um, that's great. You know, pulling out pressure, allowing the dog to go into a sitting position and then releasing pressure when they go into that sitting position and they're watching calmly or avoiding. If they're looking away, that's okay. You know, I'm not trying to force them to look away by trying to give them food or by overcorrecting when they're, you know, when they're reacting. I'm literally just saying, hey, no big deal. You know, try and make it a non-event. Mm-hmm. So talk about, can you take us through, like, give me a typical situation and what this would look like. You've got a reactive dog, you know, freaking out. Let's say like you're on the, the hiking trail. This is for, for my life. This is where we are on the hiking yeah. trail. Another pup is coming straight at them. They're both on leash. 
nobody really wants to, uh, well, my dog, uh, one of my two dogs, is just like, okay, it's on, you know, kind of thing. So yes. talk to you about what would that process be like with him? Yeah. So first and foremost, um, you know, this isn't a quick fix. You know, there's definitely not, you know, as much as people do call it the magic leash, it isn't a quick fix, especially for some of those really difficult dogs. So what I always recommend people to do is to condition it in an area of little to no distractions. Then, you know, get the dog comfortable wearing it. Get yourself used to the timing of pressure on. Once you apply pressure on, what I'm looking for is for the dog to move into a sitting position. But at that point, I'm not using a lot of verbal because once again, most dogs that are struggling, they're overtouched, overtalked, um, overstimulated, underexercised, you know, so I'm just waiting for that dog to go into a sitting position. When they go into that sitting position, I simply release pressure by dropping my hand down. Um, by allowing that leash to be loose. Once I get the dog sitting there calmly, I just hang out with the dog. This is kind of our initial phase of just teaching calm. Having the dog sit calmly next to you, think of coffee shop mentality. You know, if you're going to a coffee shop and could you, you know, could you take your dog to a coffee shop and have them sit calmly next to you? Uh, no. this is our first phase when we're teaching this is to say hey teach the dog how to sit calmly next to you because if you can't teach them how to sit calmly next to you on a loose leash there's no way you're going to be able to walk with them on one so a lot of people just jump right into the walking the running the wearing them out I want to focus more on the mental side of things first so by creating that, you know, at the very beginning of the training, and maybe it's a day or two, you know, that I'm doing that, maybe it's a week with some dogs, you know, if it's a super reactive dog, it, it may be three, four, five days of, hey, maybe just sitting out in the driveway and practicing this with only taking mm-hmm. a couple steps, then we start moving into the walk. So as we're walking, you know, if I go to start walking, and I want the dog next to me or behind me on the walk, if I have a reactive dog or an aggressive dog or a fearful dog, I want them to know that I'm leading. I'm the one initiating the walk, and I want them to know that I've got it. You know, I'm the one taking them through out into that environment. So as I'm leading them, you know, let's say I take a couple steps forward, and the dog goes, no, I don't think so. I'm going to walk forward. I'm going to stop. I'm going to get them back into that sitting position. Just letting them know, hey, I just want you with me, okay? Because I don't want to be an anchor either, you know. I don't want to be an anchor. I want the dog and I to build this relationship through the leash work. And that's one of the really big important things of this tool as well is that it changes the entire relationship when you condition it through this process, you know, so our our actual training process. Once you get that down, then you can start going out into areas that are more challenging, predictable areas. Like, hey, I know that down the street, there's this dog that barks behind the fence. So maybe I'm going to start on Mm -hmm. the other side of the street. You know, if my dog starts to struggle, I'm just going to do the same thing. And I'm going to get my dog back into that sitting position. And I'm going to hang out with there, let them breathe, let me take some deep breaths, you know, just take it all in, allow the dog to look at, at the thing that's triggering them. If they blow up again, just stop, pull that pressure off, get them back in that sitting position. Once they're calm, once you're calm, then you're just going to move forward onto your walk. Then eventually you're going to be able to meet those dogs out on the trail and be able to, you know, maybe just walk off to the side or just be able to walk past them. You know, hey, it's a non-event, but you've got to start from the very beginning. You know, you can't just throw them into the fire and expect that they're not going to get burned. So you want to start where the fire is pretty, then move to where the fire is warm, then move to where the fire is hot and, you know, give them that opportunity to really succeed by just taking your time to do that conditioning and help them to understand that that you've got control of the situation 
usually that's one of the biggest triggers is just a dog that doesn't feel that you have control of the situation. So once you change that dynamic and that relationship, um, every time that dog is putting their butt to the ground in this context with this tool on, or even if you're using it as just the slip lead, what that does create is that, that submissive mentality, you know, is going into that submissive posture of, you know, of lowering of status. And it's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a thing where they but just they're go, trusting. Oh, they're it. trusting yes. you. It's the same as I have a toddler child. Yeah, I can, I can literally see where he goes. Okay, mom, mom's got this. She's got it. And th- but I also know that when he is feeling out of control, and then I am also out of control, it only gets worse. Yeah, that's so the other when, end of the leash, right? Yeah. I mean, that's so the other when end I am able to be like, nope, I'm calm. I know what's going to happen. He oh, might oh. struggle a little bit at first, but then he's like, oh, okay, this is the way it's going to go. And then that trust that he builds up of like, this is going to be okay because mom has got it. It's going to build up there. Now, you've got a number of other products that are on your site. Do they all kind of work the same as the sidekick or are they, you know, how are they different? What are those different? They're they're a little bit different. So the other, one of the other tools that we have is the trio. So it's the power trio. So basically it's a fixed collar. So it just kind of sits around. This is a really great one. I use it every day. I bring my dogs to work with me every single day. And when they ride in the car, I just clip it around. So it's as a collar on them. Then when I get to work, I take the clip off and I put it onto their collar and then it creates a loop that becomes just a safety lead for them. It can also be used as a slip collar with a little floating ring so you can attach another leash to it. Um, But it's got three functions, I absolutely love it. Um, And then we have the duo, which is a slip lead and a clip lead. And then also the duo, all of our stuff is totally multifunctional. So like you get one thing, you kind of eliminate that whole basket of junk that you have in the corner. Right. So the duo can also be used as a harness. Um, so basically it can go around the dog and we still utilize that pressure on and pressure off with that, um, with that tool. And I hated harnesses. Like as a dog trainer, I have spent years and years and years hating, hating, hating harnesses. And then over this last year, I really just became challenged enough to go, you know, Hey, what if I have a squishy face dog, you know, that cannot, mm-hmm. you know, wear the sidekick. This has become one of my favorite tools to work with. And I know how many people really love harnesses. Like they really do. So I wanted to make one that was really effective. And that's what we've created with um, the duo, being able to reconfigure it into a harness. And we like to use the duo and the trio together as the hero harness, but you can use the duo. It just needs to be able to be used with a very secure and safe collar. Because the last thing you want is any pressure and then bang, that collar pops off. So the trio I know is safe, but I also know that, hey, you know, if let's say you have a really small dog, we don't make that tool all the way down to a very small size. So if you wanted to use it on a small dog, you could just use a very safe collar for it. But those are our current products. And I've got a lot in my head. Ooh, I can't <laughs> wait to share. I can't wait to keep developing. It's been, it's been a slow process over these. But these I think it's exciting. Years. It's exciting. It's very- and, and it's like, people are like, you're going to talk about like, you know, techie uh, collars. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it, they're, they're thinking like a plug-in electric thing. I'm like, no, no, no. It's more of just about the design yeah. and, and the, what's going behind it and how, how the functionality works. So I think it's really exciting. So, real quick, I, we're kind of running out of time, but talk sure. about, just I want to make sure we have time to talk about your uh, One Leash, One Life program. Can you tell folks a little bit about that? Oh man, this is my passion by far. I mean, I, I started in rescue and I will always continue that. So our One Leash, One Life program is basically a portion of um, all of our sales through Heather's Heroes um, does go to helping 
shelters and rescues and whether that's a monetary donation, which we've been doing that for years and years and years um, with our local shelters or leash donations. So we end up donating a lot of our products to leashes, not just in this country, but all over the world to be able to, you know, help those dogs. Because one of the really big things that I think dogs in shelters and rescues actually need is they need to know how to walk on a leash. And when I was running my rescue, all of my dogs were really good on leash. And so, you know, if I would walk into an adoption event and my dogs are all walking nice on a nice loose leash, they were getting adopted like crazy. And I'd be, you know, I'd have all my dogs adopted out by noon and everyone else was like, how'd you do that? I was like, well, just a little bit of training. So I feel that those products really make a difference in the shelters and, and that's mm-hmm. the feedback that we get. So we really, really love doing that. So we, we love the support. You know, obviously I'm an, I'm a women owned business. Um, you know, we love the support that we give to shelters and we, we just love helping them and they, and they love getting the support. They're our biggest advocates, you know, it's when people are adopting, you know, they're the ones coming back to our sites and purchasing more products. So it works out really great. And, and, and it just feels good. I love maintaining in that rescue and shelter community because that's my, that's my role. And it's so important too, because so many of the dogs that do end up going back in the shelters are going back for issues like not being able to go on a walk and, and be safe and, and things like that. So I, I love that you are, are doing that with, with what you're doing with that One Leash, One Life program. That's fantastic. That's Tell people how they can uh, find out more and learn about your products. And then most importantly, learn how to properly use your products. <laughs> awesome. Yes, absolutely. You can just check us out at heathersheroes.com. Um, there's also caninelifeline.dog. Either one of those websites will get you to the products. Either one of those websites will also get you to our learning portal. So if you guys are purchasing products from us, or even if you're not purchasing products from us, we have a bunch of tips on there about even crate training, which is the other big thing I wish more people took advantage of. Um, mm-hmm. Crate training, how to condition the leash, how to work with tools, how to hold it, all that fun stuff you can find on those two websites. Awesome. So that's Heather's heroes.com and k9 the, uh, the letter k and the number nine, nine lifeline dot dog so make sure you go there and check those out thank you so much for joining us today absolutely thanks for having me i i appreciate you so much thank you you're welcome and and this is a big passion of ours folks uh here at pet hub lost pet prevention uh and pre- preventing pe- pets from having to go back into shelters huge mission of ours so any product that we find that's like heather's uh leads uh are big big exciting things for us so please go check them out and if there's something that you have a question about maybe you have a question for uh heather or you have a question about another product that you might have heard about on our show or if there's a topic that you are just dying for us to geek out about, please do not hesitate to drop a comment on any of our social media posts and we will make sure to include them on some future episodes. Thanks again for joining us today on Pet Lover Geek, powered by Pet Hub, and please have a awesome day.